So Pete, what are we talking about today? I got a cool little indie type of movie for you, Kev. It's like a mm -hmm. slice of life type of thing where we just sort of observe a group of citizens in a supermarket all day. That's it. We're just watching them live their lives. Uh, yeah, kind of just hanging out for a day in the supermarket. What state does this uh, supermarket exist in, Pete? <clears throat> um, uh, it's Maine. Um, Fuck! God damn it! Stephen King? This is Stephen King! Oh, welcome to Fearless Films. Oh, god damn it. Fearless Films is a horror movie podcast where a horror movie buff... That's me. ...talks about scary movies, so the scaredy cats out there, that's me, don't have to watch the film. Um, nor do they want to, definitely for this one. Hey, I'm going to answer your question first and foremost from the beginning. No, I will not watch this movie. Why? Because it's a goddamn Stephen King film, Oh, Pete. trust me, Kev, I already knew you weren't watching this movie. It's too sad. Too sad. Too sad, too scary. Uh, yes. That's, that's, that's the... It's the mirror image of Too Fast, Too Furious. Exactly. Too sad, too scary. <laughs> Is Vin Diesel in this one? No. I mean, if he were, I feel like a lot more monsters would be murdered. Wow. There's murder monsters going on here? You have no idea, Kev. We've talked what about the... some Stephen King stuff before, but this is on another level. What do you mean? How is it on another level than fucking it? There's like a murderous deity entity eating children. Um, well, there's a lot more demon entities and there's a lot more people being eaten. That's what I got for you. <laughs> uh, all right. What is it? Which one is it? Uh, we're going to talk about the 2007 film directed by Frank Darabont, Stephen King's The Mist. You know... Stephen King has a very interesting way of being able to title his books in a way that whatever it is that you're the subject matter doesn't sound scary at all. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about the weather today. <laughs> oh, no. Scary clouds. Yeah, you'll These be... clouds are close to the ground. Yeah, I guess that's what you would call mist. Clouds that are close to the ground. That works. Or fog, I guess. What are their Stephen Kings? There's, there's It, which obviously from the name is like, well, that's the most innocuous thing on the fucking planet. This book is about uh. something. <laughs> wow, really? You chose a subject matter? <laughs> uh, you've got Christine. Just a girl's name. Yep. Um... That's about it. He's only written like three or four books, right? Yeah, that he doesn't. He's he's kind of like George R. R. Martin. He takes a while <laughs> to put stuff out in between books. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen King were actually like seventeen people <laughs> slaving away in a basement somewhere. With his output, yeah, I would believe. Yeah, it. him and uh, Brandon Sanderson. That's another one that shoots out books like it's his. Well, I guess it is his job. It would, so. in fact, be his job, Kev. Yeah, but there's a lot of people who it is their job out there, and they don't take they take ten fucking years to put out a book. That's true. So. Um, um, I I like this name game with Stephen King though. What's what? Carrie was one, right? Another girl's name. Just a girl's name. We've got a dog's name, Cujo. <laughs> 
One's just a date. I remember that one. It's just literally a calendar date. <laughs> Eleven twenty-two sixty. Whenever Kennedy died. Sixty-eight, seventy-nine, sixty-nine. No, something like that. that. Yeah. We should know history better. I'm looking through other king titles. The Black House. Oh, good. Hey, look, I drove by a house that was a color that is not the most normal, but is also not a, an extremely abnormal color for a house. Um, hey, I mean, you should really like King books. They're very to the point. Firestarter is about a person who starts fires. Damn it, King. <laughs> I guess he puts zero thought into his titles, huh? He's just like, the book's about a girl named Carrie, so fucking Carrie, what? <laughs> hey, what's this book about? Oh, these monsters? Where are they hiding? Mist? What are you going to call it? I just said so. Monsters in the Mist? Yeah, but I'm thinking about making it shorter. Yeah. You know, more punchy. <laughs> you can't let the reader know there's going to be monsters right off the bat. You have to think it's just spooky mist, and then you hit them with the monsters. So that's why you took Monsters in the Mist out of the title and just called it Mist. Absolutely. 100% hey, true story, based in fact. There, there was actually, like, a whole series based around this guy who's trying to get to a tower that's really, like, tall and dark. What was that called? Uh, that was called uh, Cowboy Jim's uh, Fun <laughs> Adventure Time. Running through wow. the land. That must have been before he changed his naming rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> Cowboy Jim's Fun Adventure Time. <laughs> uh, see, I'd read those books. I'd watch that movie. You would. It would be a trap because that <laughs> that character does not have a fun adventure time. I heard there's eyeball eating. There's a bit of that. Tongue eating. Um, all sorts of weird sex stuff. Wait, that was sexy? There was no. sexy eyeball eating? No, not that different. Never mind. Let's talk about the mist. I want to talk about your weird. Uh, it's hang not up mine. On sexy eyeball it's eating. Not, not me, man. It's him. What kind of fetishes you got over there? You sh no, not me. I'm a totally normal human being. <laughs> now I think you're a robot or an alien. Sounds like what something they would say. What makes you think that, fellow person, Kevin? Anyways, this mist book. Misty. Uh, well, it was a short story, or a novella. Novella, I think, yeah. That was turned into a movie. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty fucked up. Well, fuck me up, Pete. <laughs> you you got it, Kev. <laughs> Alright. So, it takes place in Maine, because surprise. Mm. And the main... Hey, are there any of his books that don't take place in Maine? Actually, there are a lot. But the really? the joke is just so big at this point that it can't be stopped. <laughs> what did I mean, Carrie took place in Maine, right? Yes. And Cujo. No, and I don't Cujo. know if Carrie took place in Maine. Oh, well. Cujo definitely did. Okay, we know the Dark Tower series then. <laughs> yeah, it took place everywhere and in other worlds. Because there are other worlds than this, Kev. Nah. Inside joke get if you've your, read the Dark Tower. <laughs> get your uh, get your X Files bullshit out of here <laughs> so yeah we're in maine and the main character is a guy named david he's at home with his wife and his eight-year-old son billy and they're it's nighttime and they're about to take shelter in the basement because there's a huge storm coming in over the lake that's just a really simple setup because it just immediately cuts to the next morning and the, everything's trashed <laughs> okay great uh fun easter egg in the movie for me and you, because we've read The Dark Tower, David's job is he's, like, an artist, and specifically he designs, like, movie posters. 
And the poster they have him currently working on in the opening scene is for The Dark Tower. Which, ironically, was never turned into a movie. It was turned into a series. Uh, no, we just don't talk about anything screen-related to The Dark Tower. You didn't like the series? The movie, you mean? I thought it was a short... I thought it was a series. No, they made that one movie that was just, you know, four books smushed into one two-hour movie and that didn't work. Oh, man, what was I thinking about? I don't know. Anyways. So, yeah. They he he comes outside. He's surveying the damage. He's got like a window, like a tree fell through a window. His boathouse was crushed by his neighbor's other tree. It's, it's just by his neighbors. They fucking crushed his boathouse. Fucked up his boathouse. <laughs> yeah, but no. So he goes next door to talk to his neighbor, uh, a guy named Brent Norton, who is be th- like, hey Brent, why'd you fuck up my boathouse? This comes up a lot in the movie. He is a, he's an out of towner, as they call him. He's just a dude who summers up in Maine because he's like a rich lawyer from New York. Oh, uh, those fucking tourists. Yeah. So they have a... Uh, there's it's there's implied bad blood between them. Like, they've been feuding over property stuff, and he's been telling his neighbor to cut down that tree for three years now, and guess what? He should have cut down the tree. Of course, the old townies are always right. Yeah. But they come to an agreement, and, like, David is going to take his son into town to go to the grocery store, get supplies... And he's like, Brent's like, I, I gotta go in too. Do you mind giving me a ride? Because his car was crushed by another tree. They're, the houses are just surrounded by trees. Dead trees, apparently. I mean, have you been to Maine? It's like <laughs> 97% trees, and the other 3% is moose. So, like, fair. I'm yeah. surprised that none of the moose crushed the car. <laughs> so they drive into town. They go to the local supermarket. Uh, and then they see, like, as they're driving to town, they see, like, police cars driving every which way. And they're also passed by a lot of military vehicles, which they joke about, because there's a nearby military base on a mountain that the locals like to joke and gossip about. Like, ooh, they're doing weird military experiments up there. And it's like, some people think it's like a second Area 51 type of thing. But really, nobody in town actually knows anything about the military base. Yeah, but it's a Stephen King book, so there's definitely it's definitely an Area 51 weird shit. Absolutely. Base. Weird shit base. <laughs> so they get they're walking around the supermarket and the movie kind of quickly introduces you to all the people you're about to spend the next 2 hours with, the, the various townsfolk and employees of the grocery store. You know, you've got a couple of guys who are mechanics, uh, the manager of the grocery store, some of the checkout people, um, this old lady who's like a teacher at the school, um, and a younger lady who's a new teacher who's just moved to town named Amanda. And then you've got in walks three of the soldiers who work at the military base. And they're like young men, they're like in their 20s. And so you see all these people there, and suddenly they hear shouting outside, and you see this old dude coming running towards the store, and you see behind him this thick mist that is just enveloping the entire town very quickly thick with like two c's right yeah like thick booty mist just rolling over the town that thick booty mist you know that stephen king can't help but write about thick booty mist oh yeah so this dude this old man comes running in the store and he's like there's something in the mist and he's like it got so and so i don't remember the random character's name and so like he tells everyone to shut the doors and like hole up in the the supermarket 
Which then, as soon as they do that, the mist rolls over everything and they're just shrouded in darkness. And I should, to give context, the whole front of the supermarket is just like big plate glass windows. So there's, you know, a good view of everything that as it's happening right in front of them. Hey, I don't mean, I don't mean to be one that picks nits, picks movies or anything <laughs> like that. You know me, I would never do that. How did these big glass plate windows there survived this giant storm that destroyed literally everything else in town uh there was no trees near the supermarket cab oh okay wind doesn't blow things very fast in giant storms that knocks over trees no nah, it's fine it's fine <laughs> so basically everything's locked down and everybody's a little shook up but for the most part people are just like well let's just wait it out like it's just a weird freak storm front thing who knows it's just a you know remnant of the storm that hit last night uh except one woman an older lady named mrs carmody who's like this is the end times and she just starts spouting about she starts spouting about revelations plural which is wrong it's the book of revelation (laughs) thanks pete I get all of my Bible knowledge from you. That is correct. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but basically she has a reputation in the town of being a nutty anyway, so nobody really listens to her. So weird shit begins when searching for blankets or something out back, David sees that their backup generator is like clogged up or something. It's exhaust port and there's all sorts of smoke coming in in the back like storage room. So he runs to turn that off, and then he hears a weird noise outside the dock door. So he goes up front, and he tells a couple of guys, like, I think something, there's some weird noise I heard, and they're, like, laughing at him, like, okay, you're just spooked. So they all, like, him and a group of dudes go out to check it out, and they see the generators all fucked up. So the two mechanic guys are like, oh, we can fix this. We just need to some, someone to go out to the exhaust port and unclog it. And this young bag boy named Norm is like, oh, I'll totally do it. Like, he's all fucking hopped up on hormones. And he's like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And David's like, well, hold on. Don't be so eager to run out into this weird-ass fucking weather phenomenon that we've never seen before. But everyone else continues to just laugh David off. So they open the dock door, like, like, three feet up. And the weird thing, and I love how they did this in camera in the movie, the mist does not come into the store. Like, it's just hovering just outside. Like, waiting to be invited in? Is it vampire mist? Vampire mist. I mean, it could be because they never do invite it in, so that could be why. (laughs) But yeah, I read in the the behind-the-scenes thing that they just sort of played with temperatures and stuff like that in the, the two, like, rooms to get it to do that, which is pretty cool. So, right when the kid's about to go crawl underneath the door to go outside a fucking tentacle comes out from the other side and grabs his leg. Yeah, it's just trying to help him out. He's like, oh, you want to get out? Okay, buddy. Here you go. (laughs) Um, So there's this big exciting sequence where they're trying to pull the kid back in the store. This tentacle's trying to pull him out. More tentacles start coming through the doorway. And they're covered in, like, instead of, like, suckers, they're, like, mouths filled with sharp teeth. Ooh, fun. Yeah, and there's spikes all coming out of these tentacles and shit. So, like, the kid's getting, like, chunks of flesh ripped off of him as they're trying to, like, pull him back into the store. More fun. Yeah. Fun for everyone. And basically, eventually, the kid gets pulled out, 
and they use an, a fire axe to, like, chop at one of the other big tentacles that's in there until all the tentacles recede, and they manage to close the door again. We did it! Mm, kinda. <laughs> did we even need this janitor running? It doesn't... I don't know... I don't think so. Like... Cause, They're just like, we felt like fixing shit because we were bored. Yeah, like, they spend the rest of the movie with, like, just flashlights and shit, and they don't seem to be concerned about any of the frozen goods, so... I don't know. Yeah, when they thaw, then they could just eat them. Yeah. But yeah, so they they agree to not, like, start a panic, but they're like, we gotta at least let people know that it's dangerous outside. And... Basically, they they end up telling everyone that something happened, but, like, nobody believes them at first. Especially the, the dude from New York, uh, the neighbor. He thinks they're just trying to, like, play a trick on him because he's an out-of-towner and whatever. And he gets what? all, like, he gets all like uppity about it. He's like, oh, you're trying to make me look like an idiot in front of all your townie friends. And they're like, we're trying to tell you a dude died. Like, what do you, what kind of joke would that be? Hold on, I think I missed that. The dude died? Oh, the kid got pulled outside, so he's probably fucking oh, dead. Oh, I thought when he got pulled, I thought he was saying he got pulled out, like he got pulled out of the tentacles' grasp when they pulled him back inside. No, 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 he's gone. Okay, well, he, that's he went not. Bye-bye. Yeah, so they they, Wait, they has Ray gone bye bye? A long time ago, Kev. Okay, but yeah, they take the store manager out back because they're like, "There's a chunk of tentacle lying on the ground. We can prove it to you." I don't know why only the store manager goes out back to confirm their story, but only he does. Well, because he's the manager, you know? He's he's the one in charge. And, of course, they go to look at this chunk of tentacle, and he sees it, and but when they touch it, it, like, squirms for a little bit, and then it dissolves into, like, a black puddle of goo. So there's no more proof. That's it, guys. <laughs> but, like, the store manager is just like, we should stay indoors. <laughs> I have this feeling, as a manager, <laughs> I have made the official call from my management experience that we should probably stay inside because yeah. it's fucked up out there. So they begin, like, everyone begins barricading the windows in the front by, like, just piling up, like, bags of, like, dog food and, and shit like that. But Brent, the neighbor, he gets a group of people and he's like, listen, the group of us, we're all just going to leave and, you know, f- just see what's going on because nothing is really going on. It's going to be fine. I'm bored. Yeah. Oh, and I should mention before this, so there's a, there's a great scene, like, right after the kid dies in the back, where this woman, uh, she's only in this one scene in the movie where she's like, I need to get go home and get to my children. Like, I left them home alone, I only said I'd be gone a few minutes, they're, you know, they need me. And she's like, will somebody come with me and, and you know, walk a lady home? And, like, everyone's too scared to, like, go with her. And so she's like, fine, fuck you people. And she just leaves by herself. Well, that's it. <laughs> Theoretically. So, you know, this results in, you know, ten minutes later in the movie when Brent and his posse of people are like, we're gonna go out there, it's gonna be fine, whatever. And then there's this biker who's like, I'm gonna go with them, but I'm not actually gonna stay out there with them. I'm just gonna go out to uh, my truck and get a shotgun that I have and come back with it so at least we're better armed if there is something, in fact, out in the mist. So that biker agrees to have, like, a rope tied to him so they can track his progress and then, you know, lead him back in case he gets lost in the mist. Okay. I I don't think I've ever heard anybody being so terrified of 
fog <laughs> before. I mean, I get there's, like, reason to be in this movie, and at least the tentacle stuff would get me to be worried about it, but, like, up until that point, everybody else, just the way they've been acting about it, I'm like, what the fuck? Well, I think it, it helps to have watched it, because, the remember, the inciting incident was the old man, like, crazily running to the store and being like, there's something in the mist! So, he clearly was disturbed by something, so everyone's just sort of riding his fear. But yeah, so the group of people go out, and the biker follows with them, and the you know the they're spool they're spooling out the rope, and at one point it it just falls slack, and then it gets tight again and starts like pulling like right through their hands, and they manage to like wrestle the rope back under control and start pulling it back in, and what they reel in is just the dude's legs. Nice. Yeah, just cut off from the hips up, just now, gone. Did he go with the group of? The lawyer and the guys? He went with them, but his plan was just to come back once he grabbed that gun from a truck. But we don't know what happened to the lawyer and the guys. We don't know what happened to the lawyer and the people, but they're presumably dead too. Because he was right behind them. Right? Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah, so now everyone is for sure that bad shit's happening, and they're for sure just gonna hole up in the store. And the religious lady... Just dives even deeper into her. This is the end times rhetoric, which at I this mean, point now is starting to like spook other people enough that they're listening to her. I mean, like to be fair, it seems kind of it's not normal times. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that is for sure. So as night's beginning to fall, people are basically gathering up whatever they can for weapons and supplies. Like they set up some shop lights around the store. To just provide light as night falls. They make some makeshift like torches and spears. Like they duct tape knives to sticks like broom handles. And they make, you know, they wrap cloth with oil around the other broom handles to make torches and shit in case they need them. And they do find out that they do have a gun in the store. The The younger woman who is a teacher, she has a gun that uh, she said like she just has for protection. Uh, it's a revolver, and she has 12 rounds total. 12 bullets. That seems important. It is. And one of the um, one of the grocery store employees, Ollie, is like, oh, I can shoot it. Like, I, I was state champion 94 of, like, target shooting. Of course he was. God damn it. <laughs> well, it's funny, because they bring it, like, when she's like, I have a gun, one of the other people's like, that's great. Does anyone here know how to shoot a gun? Like responsibly like are we good or are we just gonna kill ourselves with this thing so it, it does have that bit of realism of them realizing oh that's great but is anyone good enough to use this and then thankfully somebody is i mean it's main so i'm surprised that everybody wasn't like of course i know how to hold a gun right only one gun in an entire supermarket seems a little f fishy for main uh <laughs> quick question so we've got the main the main character is this guy right da yeah david and his son? Yes, Billy. Is his wife there? She stayed at home. Okay, so she's probably like, where are they, motherfuckers? Yeah. <laughs> so night falls, and the next spooky shit happens when a bunch of bugs start landing on the windows outside. And when I say bugs, Kev, what I mean to say is horrifying scorpion fly creatures that are like the size of small dogs. That's fun. Yeah. So they're, like, swarming all over the windows. They seem to be attracted to the lights, which is fine at first. 
until these slightly bigger, like, four-winged pterodactyl-looking things start dive-bombing the bugs to try to eat them, and they end up breaking one of the windows open. Which is surprising, because these windows, I believed, were pretty much unbreakable, considering they survived a giant hurricane that knocked trees down. <laughs> yeah, but not fleshy bird things. Fleshy bird things? <laughs> is that their official name? Did you look up in the wikipedia that that was it no that's what i'm calling them fleshy bird things so chaos ensues there's like shit flying around all over in the store now one dude gets his like throat ripped out by one of the bird things a girl gets stung by one of the bugs like right on her neck which makes like within minutes her whole neck like swells up and she basically suffocates to death wow yeah. Why can't bugs just be bugs, Steven? <laughs> God damn it, Steven. Um, the the main characters are trying to fight them off. Like, uh, Ollie manages to kill a bird thing with a gun. He shoots shoots it twice and kills it. Uh, some various bugs are smashed or, or burned with the makeshift torches and shit. And now we only have ten bullets left. Yes. One dude actually ends up uh, accidentally immolating himself because he's trying to light a torch on fire. And then... He this poor bastard, he turns to run and immediately trips over the bucket of oil that he, like, doused his torch in, which spills all over the floor. He falls in it, and he drops the torch in it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this dude gets fucking burned. Does not die is the worst part. They manage to put him out, and he's, like, hanging on to life, barely. And then they kill another one of the bird things by lighting it on fire and beating it to death. And the f the last fucked up thing to happen before they're able to, like, plug the hole is one of the bugs lands on Mrs. Carmody, the, the end of times lady, and yeah. it just, like, crawls up, sort of looks at her, and then flies away without harming her. Oh, well, that's because she's a harbinger of death, and they like that. Yep, and she immediately starts using that to her advantage, saying how because she's a faithful... She was unharmed by these creatures because it was God's will. Ass. Yup. Uh, so her group of followers gets bigger and bigger as time goes by. And she's like, you know, when, in regards to the people who died, she's like, those were the sacrifices that were required. We will be left unharmed for the following day, but tomorrow night we'll need more sacrifices. What the hell? Like, where did she... Where is she coming up with this shit? Just pure fucking craziness, man. Um, so this leads to... David is like, alright, I have a plan. I have a new plan. We need to... There's a pharmacy next door. We're gonna run across the parking lot, go to the pharmacy, because we need to get shit for this burned guy. But then we can get other supplies that we need as well. But then, like, to the group of people he tells us, he's like, I'm also kind of thinking about getting out of here, because the worse Mrs. Carmody gets the more in danger the rest of us are in. Because she's starting to say the word sacrifice a lot, and I don't like that. No, that's not great. No. So, he, like, David and a bunch of people get together, and they're like, we're gonna go across the street, go to the pharmacy, get some shit, and come right back. Easy peasy. We're, we're not gonna take any risks. We're just gonna do this and come back. Right? Fine. No. <laughs> Wait, I mean... 
No, what, what do you mean, right, this is easy peasy. Their first step, their first decision is, let's walk out into the murder place <laughs> and go out and get murdered. Like, yeah. no, I don't think this is, this is not one of those easy peasies. <laughs> so they go outside, they sneak their way to the pharmacy, it's not too far away. They see that the doors had been propped open, so whatever is in the mist is free reign this whole time. They they get to the pharmacy. They start. They're grabbing like antibiotics and painkillers and all sorts of shit. And then they find a dude, basically webbed up to a wall, and he's still alive. But he's Fun. he's covered in all these like growths and shit on his skin. And he's why does Stephen King love keeping people alive? Because it's scarier that way. And he's, they can see by his uniform that he was one of the soldiers at the military base, and he just keeps muttering, it's our fault, it's all our fault, I'm sorry. Of course it's your fault. It's a weird Area 51 thing that released a bunch of monster <laughs> bug things that's covered in mist. Yeah. It's probably some weird weapon they've been developing to fight communism or something. <laughs> so of course, because like with any good thing, we've already seen evil, creepy bugs... Now we need evil, creepy spiders. Oh, I knew it was going to be spiders. Stephen King loves spiders. Most of which start bursting forth from his body because he's been used as an egg sack. Ooh. Yeah, it's actually a really great scene where he just sort of falls forward oh, onto the ground. Is it a really great scene? Really great? It's tons of fun? And his whole torso explodes with baby spiders. Oh, torso explosion. So much fun. Yeah, but then these like I big... Dog-sized spider creatures start attacking everyone, which the worst part about these spiders is that they don't have, like, the little mandible things that normal spiders do. They just have mouths with human teeth. What the hell? Yeah, it's the worst part of it. It's just so fucking disturbing. They're just looking at you with their fucking teeth mouths. Ugh. But yeah, they basically start jumping on people and they can shoot this webbing that not only is sticky, it's acidic and will burn your flesh off. It's sticky and icky. Yes, to put it in scientific terms. So two random dudes die in this excursion and everyone else get, uh, manages to get back to the store. How's, how's the pharmacy trip? Yeah, they got the supplies, but so two things. A... The dude died of his burn wounds anyway, so they were too late. And B, M Mrs. Carmody is just like, what? Well, further proof. We shouldn't have fucked with things, like I said. Can we just sacrifice her? Mm, I wish, but that's not going to happen. The next day, well, <laughs> I mean, I like this bit of realism here. So, like, they all get back and... The scene just sort of like fades to black after everything calms down, and when it comes, when it fades back in, it's like David waking up, and he's like, "What the fuck? Like, how long was I asleep?" And they're like, "You've been asleep for most of the day." And he's like, "Yeah, I kind of just passed out from like the shock." And I'm like, "Yeah, that that sounds reasonable. That you would just kind of be so exhausted from fear that you would just like fall asleep for like eight hours." Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so he they he learns while he was out, like, all the shit I just said. And then they go to talk to the soldier kid that came with him, and he's like... They're like, what do you know about this? And he's like, I'm not sure, we gotta talk to my two friends. And when they go to look for them, they see that they've hung themselves in the back storage room. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he's like, Jesus Christ, I didn't think they would actually do it. And this leads to, like, somebody was eavesdropping... 
and they grab him and they throw him in front of like Mrs. Carmody and all her followers. And she's like, what have you done? And he basically says that like the scientists at the military base were working on something, which was like, they, they theorized that there were other dimensions in space time and they wanted to create a window to look into them and something went wrong and things came through that window. Awesome. And that's basically what released the mist. But he's like, I'm just a guard who works outside the base. It's not my fault. And they're like, too bad. You have to be sacrificed. They already sacrificed people. Yeah, but this is the next day. So basically, like, Mrs. Carmody's followers, they keep the main characters from interfering. And they basically, like, beat the shit out of this kid as a group. And then they stab him a couple times in the stomach. And then pick him up and throw him outside. Wow. Yeah, and he's like... These guys are dicks. He's begging to be let back in, and then eventually this monster that's like... It's like 20 feet tall, and it's on like these four like crab claw legs, and it's got big, huge lobster arms. It just comes out of the mist and grabs him and like rips him to pieces. I, I hate this. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's at this point that David and the rest of his group are like, so we're gonna go... Like this you're is an insane cult now. Yeah, we're done. This is this is over. So basically, they they prepare a bunch of like bags of like food and shit. And they're like, Ollie's like, I'm gonna hide all this stuff by the front registers, and we'll you know wait for everyone to go to sleep. And early in the morning, we'll sneak out before anyone else wakes up, and we'll get the fuck out of here. And everyone's like, All right, cool. We'll get in David's car. Can hold eight people. We'll fucking leave together. So, of course, this does not work, because as they wake up early in the morning to sneak out, Mrs. Carmody is sitting over where they hid the food, and is like, where are you all going? As she's, like, holding a knife. So, there's a big confrontation, and, like, everyone's arguing, and her followers are, like, circling and closing in on the survivors who are trying to, like, fight them off. And Mrs. Carmody's, like, fucking screaming up a storm and inciting the rage of her people. And eventually, and Ollie just says, fuck it, pulls out the gun and shoots her in the chest. Nice. And as she falls to her knees, he just shoots her once more in the head and finishes her off. That's the way it's done, boy. Yup. Which, like, it gets, and I should admit, like, he had fired off some more rounds during the pharmacy thing, too. So we're, we're running low on ammo at this point. He'd been shooting a bunch, but he... He, like, you know, tells everyone else to back off, and the main character and his group, they they run outside. They're like, fuck it, we're just gonna run for the car. And, unfortunately, there's, like, eight of them. They all go running out. They kind of get discombobulated in the panicked escape. And the people who make it to... uh, Ollie gets to the car first, and he opens the doors for everyone else, which was the plan. But, unfortunately... He's not looking, and a monster comes out and fucking eats him, and he drops the gun. Oh, no. Yeah. Not the state champ shooter. (laughs) So David gets to the car with his son and the younger teacher lady, and then an old lady and an old dude get uh, make it with them, but the three other people who are with him get separated and get attacked by those spiders in the mist, and... I think, like, two of them die, and one of them gets back to the store and goes back in there. So, it's David, three other adults, and his son make it to the car and are like, this is, like, we gotta go. And he manages to grab the gun at the last second before getting eaten, too. So, 
They get that gun's been super helpful against the monsters, so I'm glad we have that. I mean, it does kill monsters, but you know, I don't know what's gonna do about the fucking giant house-sized one. Uh, <laughs> so they get in the car, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna go to David's house first to get his wife, and then we're gonna leave town and just drive south until we get out of this mist." Yeah, it's probably not gonna work. Well. They get to his house, they see that the wife is long dead, she's been cocooned up by the spiders, so they leave. Oh, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, and they basically just, it's like a montage of them just driving and driving and driving. Um, and at one point, uh, recreating one of the iconic scenes from the novella is like they stop because the, like, every, the ground just starts rumbling. And they look out the windows as they see... Like, li- literally, like, a kaiju-sized monster on six legs goes walking by. Like, huge. Like, gigantic. Big enough that every step, like, bounces the car into the air. Nice. And they're just well, like... I don't think it's... They're not gonna... Don't, they don't have to worry about that one. They're that basically just like, them. oh, we're fucked. Like, this is... This... We're done. Humanity over. <laughs> like, that's right? their impression. So they keep driving, and, like, you know, it gives you a sense that they're driving for, like, hours, if not days, until finally they run out of gas. They didn't stop at a gas station? Apparently not. Maybe they tried? Who knows? In the book, they do. Um, see, the book ends here. The book ends with they stop at a gas station to refuel and grab whatever supplies they can, and, he, and David basically just leaves a journal that's like, we're just gonna keep going and hope for the best. The end. That is not where the movie ends, Kev. Because the movie wants to be mean? Yup. Great. They keep driving, they run out of gas, and they basically are like, they've lost all hope. They're like, the, the mist must have covered the whole world, everything's dead. And they had agreed beforehand, like, you know, if it comes to it, like, we don't want the monsters to get us. And they hear the sounds of monsters outside, so they're like, alright, this is it. So David, you know, checks the gun. He's only got four bullets left. And there's five of them in the car. Oh, no. Well, oh, wait. Already, we're already in shitsville because they're going to start killing themselves. Which yeah. Which is always great. You know, so he, he, you know, they sort of had like this very impactful scene without dialogue where they all just sort of look at each other and wordlessly accept. Like, he's like, I'll be the guy to live. I'll take care of all the rest of you and his son is like napping at this point which is like the like the worst part is like they they make this decision and then he starts loading the gun and the way that frank darabont directed this sequence is the camera does a close-up on the boy's face as he slowly like wakes up and then he looks over and like his eyes widen in shock and then it cuts to a view outside the car where you can't really see anything just like the profile of the car and you just hear bang, 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 bang. And then you just hear him screaming. And it cuts back into the car as he's like screaming and crying. And then, you know, futilely puts the gun in his mouth and keeps pulling the trigger, knowing that nothing's going to happen, but hoping beyond hope that he can end his own misery. Fuck. Yeah. So, you know, he, he he's all out of hope at this point, so he just gets out of the car and just starts screaming, like, come and get me, come and fucking kill me. And he hears, like, rumbling and noises again, and he's like, this is it, like, at least I don't have to exist for much longer. And the fucking mist 
parts, Kevin, and a column of military vehicles comes rolling through, and he sees behind him, like, an entire fucking, like, convoy of tanks and trucks and shit, just, like, and soldiers just, like, burning the creatures and killing them, and all these survivors packed onto these trucks. This fucking sucks, Pete. And, like, the last, like, just before he breaks down and loses all sanity, guess who's in one of those trucks? Who? The lady who left to get her kids at the start of the movie. I... (laughs) What the fuck? Like, what the fuck, Pete? End movie cut to credits. That's This isn't even Stephen King's fault. (laughs) You said this is... That wasn't even how he finished the movie. Nope. Even Stephen King was like, Jesus Christ, that's an ending. (laughs) It's because he doesn't like... He likes making scary stories, not fucking ruining everybody's life. (laughs) God, what's the point? (laughs) Shit's fucked, yo. Ugh. No thanks. No, not for you. What a surprise. I am, Kev, I am so shocked that this doesn't do it for you. Why would anybody want to do this movie? I don't know, man. Some of us are just not, we're just built different. (laughs) It's like the Twilight Zone, but on crack. Like, that's the kind of ending this is. Man. How old was the kid? Like, eight. Fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's pretty depressing. It's pretty sad. It's, like, unnecessarily depressing. Oh, yeah. Man, it oh. just fills you with sadness. Yeah, like, why do we want... Why do people want to do that? Uh, I've heard some... Psych, you know, like psych majors talk about how it's sort of a, it's a like you experience it in a way that you can then walk away from. No, you can't. Some people can't <laughs> walk away from that shit. Some people just think about that while they're trying to sleep at night. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's those. That's the people it doesn't work for. <laughs> All right, do you, let's talk about something else. <laughs> I mean, how I guess, the movie? What did you think of the movie? I guess. Oh, I fucking love this movie. This is one Why? of my favorite horror movies. Cause it's Why? truly horror. It is. You can't say you can't say anything to the contrary. That is truly a horror movie. But I guess it's just it's it's contrived horror. I guess, I mean they're all contrived horror. But like that <laughs> that aspect that they drove for days and days and then he kills everybody like. A minute before everybody else shows up is just a little bit. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Like, I'd be even more okay if, like, the man was, like, wandering and none of the monsters touched him for whatever reason and then he found salvation, you know? Yeah. That's more of, like, a, 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 a more, like, like, you know that the person just made that part of the movie just to fuck with people. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's not even from the storyline. It's just, like, no, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, my weird psychology, my personal, like, thing is, like, the way my brain works, I'm like, well, at least the world didn't end. Like, I do feel bad for these people, and I feel bad for this guy, and that sucks, but, like, 
at least we won. Like, I'm, my weird self, despite how much I love horror movies, I hate Roland Emmerich-style, like, end-of-the-world movies, because I'm like, well, that's doubly what's the point, like... And then humanity ended. Okay, great. Like, so there's nothing after this? Well, there's a lot of movies. I mean, like, the, the a lot of the Roland Emmerich movies are like, the majority of the world ends, but this is a group of survivors that holds on. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's that's what I, that would be my pushback on that, is that, like, you know, they do have it. It's just showing how society's now changed. I mean, I guess if I was going to survive with Jake Gyllenhaal after the apocalypse, that's pretty nice, so... I'll take Which it. Which one was that? That was uh, Day After Tomorrow. I watched that movie. I didn't know Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't know it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, baby. I would right, spend um, the After Apocalypse with him. He seems, <laughs> he seems nice. All right. Well, do you want to hear about how official people liked the movie? Sure. God, this is such a... Now that I like know about the ending and everything like that, I'm like, okay, well, this makes fucking sense, of course. <laughs> Critics... Gave it a 72%. They were like, oh, it's great. It makes me feel feelings in my jaded soul. <laughs> Tell us how you really uh, feel, Kev. The audience score is 65, which is like, because there's more people out there who are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, that just seems accurate for the 65 comes from horror fans, and then the remaining 45 is the rest of humanity. <laughs> Ugh. Um, any any I like specific fun reviews, uh, e- either in the positive or the negative. People really liked the amalgamations of the general blurbs that I read was that they liked the humanity aspect of it. Mm, that makes sense. A large um, part of the movie is like the characters talking amongst themselves about like. Not just the physical threat of the monsters, but, like, everything that's going on in the supermarket. Like, well, like you said, like, half the problems weren't the monsters. It was that chick. Oh, yeah. There's a scene early in the movie, like, when she's already started going nuts but hasn't converted a ton of people yet, where, like, like David and, like, three other people are like, we gotta do something or get out of here before she turns all these people into, like, zealots. And the young teacher lady's like, what? No, come on, guys. Like, people are basically good at their core. And the rest of them are just like, uh, I mean, not when everything goes to hell and it seems like the world's ending. You scare someone enough and, uh, like, so that's their viewpoint. And, like, the movie kind of agrees with them. Yeah, which, you know, is tough because, like, that's the movie saying that that, that is one person's opinion of how things will work. Who's to know? What'll actually happen if mist envelops the world covered in monsters? Yeah, you know? yeah. I would like to follow the other story in the mist, where it that ends in being a part of the massive group of military people. Yeah, they figured it out and shit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we closed that thing. There's no more mist coming out. That it's, was it's that fixed. was fucked up. I we we messed that one up, guys. And then um, they sweep it under the rug and, you know, nobody talks about it ever again. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so that's the general consensus. I'm looking for anything bad. Apparently the people who didn't like it thought, actually, it's the sa- It's funny that it's kind of like the same. They didn't like the characters. They said the characters were kind of tropey, kind of like recycled characters that you'd seen before. Mm, I can kind of see that, yeah. 
I mean, the, the, the one lady's definitely like, here's every not-so-Christian like, character you've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. The actress does a very good job, though, so... I kind of, it's like, it's a trope, but it was done well. Um, and some people don't like that in general, like at all. Uh, you want to hear about money? I do. And will you give okay. me some? No. Oh. Uh, the bad news is that this movie made money, which it doesn't deserve to. <laughs> it had a budget of $18 million, which I guess, it, which is pretty cheap for a movie. And that makes sense because they had one scene setting in the entire goddamn film. So I guess the only thing they had to worry about was special effects or tentacles. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, it made $57 million. Hey, that's a profit right there. is a profit, but it was generally considered lackluster. Hmm. That's true. A couple of the t- a couple of the critics wrote about how this movie deserved to make more money. It was more of a they said uh, was the movie was a hit even though the 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 money doesn't show it. So apparently the general consensus was this movie did not make enough money to be considered a really really quality hit. Although this is hard to say because like it's a horror movie. $57 million off an $18 million budget is actually really good for a horror movie. We've seen some horror movies out there who didn't do even close to that. Yeah, right. You know, that's actually a really great budget return on, like, the Scream franchise. <laughs> actually, no, Scream is one of those outliers that made a lot of money. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about, like, the first or the second one. Some, one of them made 20, one of them spent $20 million and only made, like, $40 million or something like that. It was probably, like, three or four. <laughs> so, you know, it, it made money. It made a little bit of money. But, yeah, so generally considered, it wasn't considered a really good uh, return, which I agree with because it doesn't deserve uh, any sort of anything. <laughs> Come on. Nope. Like, Stephen King just likes making stories where it's like, hey, people suck. Like, does pe- does Stephen really think that people suck? I mean, he lives in Maine, Kev. Wow. Am I wrong? My wife comes, grew up in Maine. She's going to fight you. I can take your wife. She's a twig. She has a gun. They all do. <laughs> they hand them out to every person once they're born. I mean, also, just ask her. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think should see the movie? Um, I mean, whatever I say, you're just going to be like, oh, so crazy people like you, Pete. <laughs> Which, Yes. Idiots. If you want a bleak, very down-ending movie, but it's very exciting all throughout, this this is the one for you. It's got some creature feature stuff going on. It's got some psychological thriller stuff going on. It's got man is truly the worst monster type of themes going on. Uh, Non-horror fans, stay the fuck away from this movie. It's just normal people. Just people. This will ruin you. This movie will ruin your life. Hey, if you're a person who has feelings about things, stay away from this movie. I yes, just do it. Don't don't come anywhere near this movie. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. Kev. Yeah. What's it a name? Was the mist enough of a title? One to ten, I'd give it a two. But it's literally there's mist. The whole movie's mist. The 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 biggest okay there were two big things that hurt a lot of people crazy old lady <laughs> crazy old religious lady and monsters 
which came from... Ugh, all right, maybe a five, because the mist is definitely there. Listen, I don't like this movie. <laughs> I'm going to give it a bad bad grading because I don't like it. Yes, I'm being biased. Yes, I am doing that. Yes, it's unfair. Yes, you can't stop me because this is my podcast as well as Pete's. <laughs> What if I get a little inside baseball with you, Kev? Because I know you'll get this reference. Many theorize that the mist and the dimension that the scientists actually accidentally opened up is the Todash darkness from the Dark Tower books. Okay, listen. Like, like it's a thinny. You remember those? Yes, and I... Okay. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> Steven. Steve. Can I call you Steve? Steve. You did okay. You did good. Yeah, I'll give you like a 9. An 8 out of 10. I still think you probably should have brought up like religious zealots or something. Or just crazy people. But Mist, yeah, it's definitely there. Definitely there. That's the big thing. Kind of shitty. Killed people. Great. Great. Frank? Hey, Frank? Fuck you. You know, you know got kind words Frank Darabont? Frank doesn't care about kind words. Frank doesn't care about kindness. Frank does not want niceness and goodness in the world. Frank just wants to make you miserable. Frank takes glee from your sadness. Frank is a sadness vampire. Frank wants to suck all of the sadness out of you. And so he wants to create sadness. He wants you to be the saddest possible so that he can live. He can thrive off of your sadness because he's some sort of a monster. Okay, I can't disprove that claim. <laughs> Have you ever seen Frank go anywhere that he wasn't invited? <laughs> but I mean, Kev, he also directed the Shawshank Redemption. That was a upbeat ending of a movie. Right? Oh yeah, that, that movie where that man was falsely imprisoned for most of his life. Damn it, I was hoping you wouldn't remember that part. Wouldn't remember the main plot? Yeah, uh, that's what I was hoping. It started with infidelity <laughs> and went downhill from there. Hey, remember that bright young-eyed kid who was going to get a job and was really good at, I don't know, something, baseball or sports or whatever? Remember him? He was great. He did great. The, and then he was going to be released because, like, things were great. And then he got shot in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, totally. But then Andy Dufresne got out. God damn it, Frank. Frank's my new least favorite person. That's right. You've been replaced, Pete. Damn it. <laughs> Should have been me. Uh, all right. That's it. I give I give this movie, uh, named this movie, like an 8 out of 10, unless Frank has anything to do with it, in which case it gets a 2 out of 10. I feel, I feel like we should just end this podcast with either just ripping the audio itself or having you recreate the scene in Willy Wonka where he's just like, you get nothing! You fail! You lose! <laughs> that's, that basically sums up Kevin's thoughts on this entire thing. <laughs> I wish Frank nothing but death. I don't think that's what Willy Wonka said no, to that child. No. Frank doesn't deserve death. Frank deserves uh, all of his loveness, love things to die around him, but he has to stay alive. <laughs> does it does it hurt you or help you to mention that he's also the guy who got the Walking Dead TV show off the ground? Ugh. People who like the Walking Dead don't even like the Walking Dead anymore. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, he kind of he left after the first season because of disagreements with AMC, but that's neither here nor there. That's probably because AMC was like, hey, can we have a movie with any sort of hope or upliftingness? And he's like, I'm Frank Darabont. No. <laughs> I'm I Frank need to Darabont. destroy everybody's happiness. Oh my god, that should just be like some fictional like supervillain is created and their catchphrase before they murder someone's just, I'm Frank Darabont. <laughs> Oh, oh, I see that he was involved in The Fly. Uh, well, no, he wrote The Fly 2. <laughs> Which is pretty He's fucked only... up. Okay, the first movie that he directed was called Buried Alive. I'm sure it's a romantic comedy of some sort. <laughs> I'm sure. The man only directed, like, a handful of movies, and The Mist was one of them. And then they he did The Mist, and everybody's like, okay, don't let Frank near anything ever again. <laughs> we seem to have made a mistake. This man is unhinged. I wanted to watch The Green Mile, but now I don't, because Frank wrote it. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, Kev, that ending of that movie is very sad as well. <laughs> God damn it, Frank! Hey, everybody, everybody who's listening, uh, don't give Frank Darabont any more work. I mean, as far as I understand it, that's kind of what's been happening for the past, like, ten years. Good. Everybody <laughs> realized that this man sucks. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Is that the lesson we learned from this movie, Kev? I feel Frank like Darabont you summed it up sucks. pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's what Kevin's lesson learned is. I could have gone on about survival techniques or... Or, uh, you know, team building things. But I think Frank Darabont sucks. Yeah, I think we've gotten all we can out of this movie in terms of uh, knowledge and, and information gleaned. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we let Kevin restore his faith in humanity and get the hell out of here. Kev, what do we say to the audience every time we say goodbye? Frank Darabont sucks. And don't, don't, don't get too scared. Yeah, you, you know, don't, yeah. Fuck you, Frank.